Welcome back to the second episode in our three-part series on real estate terminology and jargon. Welcome to your first home buyer guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mums. But that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 40 years experience and we are going to share with you bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure that you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you want to be without missing a step. Now, we've got loads of great tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll find free checklists that you can download, a free mini course on how to price a property and our where to buy workshop for only $39. Priceless stuff, really. Bargain. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field of expertise. Now we've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change. So check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information. We're moving on to E and our first is easement, which we have mentioned, and it is the right that someone has to use the land belonging to another person. So for example, a water authority may have a sewerage easement across part of your property. I have one in mine. I think you've got one in yours too. I don't have an easement on my property. Oh, there you go. Um, (laughs) No, I don't. But I've seen enough of them to know that when they exist. Um, Also, it could be a a right of way over driveway or quite often in, in inner city areas, certainly where I live. They've the old Dunny Lane. So if somebody <laughs> access of this skinny little lane over the back of their property is um, via an easement. And encroachment is another thing that is something that you should be aware of, particularly when you're buying in older areas where the houses are close together. So an encroachment, that's something that can actually happen when you've got buildings uh, built quite close together because it's where a part of a house or establishment or building, or it could be a shed or a garage, illegally overhangs the street or neighbouring property. So pretty important because if you accidentally buy a property that is um, some encroaching over somebody else's property and has not been approved for whatever reason, then you might one day be required to remove it. Yeah, and look, encroachments can happen because people haven't done surveys to find out where the boundary is. So mm-hmm. if you rely on the fence line to, to be your indication of where your boundary is, you may be really out of whack. You might you might just have it completely wrong. So really important always to know where your, where your boundaries are before you build any kind of property, um, any kind of improvements. If it goes the other way and it's actually your neighbour who's encroaching on you, then you might have a little bit of a battle to get your land back. And mm. deservedly so. You, sh- you should get your land back if somebody else has built something on it. Yes, messy stuff. Uh, messy stuff. Encumbrance. It's an impediment to the use or transfer of the property in the form of an interest or right in the property. So technical, but important. So it might be an easement. It might be a mortgage. So a lot of properties are under mortgage and they will have an encumbrance to the company. So Westpac or National Australia Bank or whichever the mortgage is or jewelry is. Well, it's it's along the lines of burden. You know, the encumbrance and burden is sort of 
largely the same thing. It's like you're burdened, you're burdened with your responsibility or, or requirement to perform or whatever. So yeah, burdens, encumbrance, very fancy, old fashioned sounding or an, or an terms. Interest. Yeah. Yep. An interest by someone else in the property, um, which isn't able to be removed uh, easily mm. without that, that person's permission. Equity. Very important. Equity a lot. We love equity. <laughs> so equity is the amount of the asset that is actually owned by the owner. So technically we say we own our home, but do we? How much of it is owned by the bank versus how much do we own? So equity equity is the difference between the market value of the property and the amount still owed on the mortgage. And it might be that you've gained equity through paying down your debt or through capital growth or a combination of the mm. two, ideally. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, eviction, it is the lawful expulsion. Wow, that's, that's a word, isn't it? Of an occupant or tenant from a property. It can happen if yes. they haven't paid their rent, if they haven't uh, looked after the property effectively, if there have been multiple breaches. Um, an eviction can only happen once a specific process has been followed in each state. Absolutely. Exclusive authority. Yeah, we're looking here at a written contract that gives one real estate agent the exclusive right to sell a property within a specified time period. So agents can't have open-ended opportunity to sell. It generally is a 60-day agreement or a 90-day agreement. Similarly with a, a buyer's agent, you'll have a, an exclusive or open, or um, I think that's there's a third one that they can have. Um, anyway, we don't do anything but exclusive. It's where you can only work with that particular agent. Yep. And fee simple. It's the greatest pros possible interest term a person can have in real estate. <laughs> <laughs> that's just fee a legal simple. term. A legal term. Fiduciary, another oh. legal term, but sort of quite interesting, this one. Because it's to do with responsibility, isn't it? Yeah. Person who essentially holds the character of a trustee. So they're acting as a trustee. Real estate agents and salespersons are considered by law to be fiduci fiduciaries. Fiduciaries. <laughs> wrap, wrap your mouth around that one. <laughs> Thus, they have to act um, primarily, primarily for the benefit of the principal. That is the person who employed them. So it's, this is a contract relationship not in their own best interests. Now, mm -hmm. you know, I might question that, but a fiduciary must act within the highest degree of care and good faith in relations with the principal and on the principal's business. Penalties for failing in fiduciary duties may be quite severe, and I have seen this in action. I have seen it where, um, particularly if there might be a beneficial interest um, where someone within the agency has bought a property and they've bought it cheap, and the owner of the property, the principal in the contract arrangement agreement, has said, hang on, you haven't done the right thing by me, and therefore that agent hasn't met their fiduciary obligations to the principal, which is the seller. Yes, it's a, um, a bit murky at times, that one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So the first right of refusal, see, I love this, in auctions, a lot of people think that if a property passes in and if they're the highest bidder, that they are going to be negotiated with exclusively. Um, but the reality is the first right of refusal is a, um, it's a, what's the word? It's a, a courtesy, not a right, it's, right? It's often a process that mm. is decided by the agent and or the owner. And what it does, it gives the highest bidder the first right of refusal to purchase a property 
at the reserve price. So mm-hmm. if the reserve price is 200000 over what it's really worth and they say, I'm not paying that, then some agents can be real bastards and say, well, that's it. You've lost your first right of refusal. Open slather. Mind you, I I guess I wonder how quickly they're going to do a deal if they're $200,000 <laughs> over market value, but that's sort of... <laughs> It's it's important to understand it's just a right it's a it's a courtesy not, not a right even though it's called first right of refusal. Now that's in auction situations. There is also a first right of refusal refusal that can be a contractual agreement, and that might be a clause in a contract that gives a potential buyer the first right to be the first party to put an offer on a property once it is for sale. Now we might see these in circumstances where neighbours are interested in buying the property next door. Seller's not ready to sell yet, but they might form an agreement that when it is time for them to sell, they will give that next door neighbour the first right to buy at their price. So it can actually be outside of the auction process, uh, a contractual agreement on a property as well. And they might have paid for that right. So yep, it's, uh, it might be consideration. Yeah, an option is um, another term for that. Well, fittings. So we talked about um, chattels earlier. Now we're talking about fittings and then fixtures. So fittings are objects that can be removed from a property without causing damage to it. But fixtures, our next F, are items that cannot be removed without damaging either the property or the fixture itself. So, you know, it might be a cupboard or something that's screwed in an air conditioning unit. Anything that's actually screwed to the wall is often considered to be a fixture. Although how many times have you come across strange things like somebody took the bathroom cabinet? I mean, like, it's <laughs> the oddest thing. Some people the are curtains, a bit odd. The curtain rod is gone because it matches the uh, furniture that they curtain. had in the room. Well, no, yeah. you can't unscrew the curtain rod. <laughs> yeah, you've left holes in the wall. God love you. <laughs> Fun and games. Footing. Mm. This is this is the basics, foundations of the property. The footing supports the building on its foundation. Yeah, I wonder if you knew that term when you bought your first property, Megan. Nope. I know you've told us that story many, many times. Certainly did not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, freehold. Quite important. It's about what you own. <laughs> freehold land or fee simple, which we mentioned earlier, provides people with the most complete form of ownership of that land in perpetuity. It allows the landholder to deal with the land, including selling, leasing, licensing, mortgaging the land. Uh, those sorts of things, subject to compliance with applicable laws such as planning and environment laws. Yeah, it's like, you know, I love it when um, a property is advertised with unlimited potential. <laughs> it's actually bullshit. Nothing has unlimited potential. There are all sorts of limitations on potential. <laughs> yeah. Really annoys me. It's well, like, no, that's not true. <laughs> yes. It's gazumping. Here's another word, another G word, gazumping. It's very New South Wales-ish, this one. Well, it's sort of weird because, yeah, you can't really be gazumped. People think gazumping is illegal and, and, you know, maybe in some cases it is, but the reality is what gazumping means is when a a seller has verbally agreed to sell to one buyer at a price but then sells to someone else or raises the price when two or more buyers show interest. And and the fact is that until um, either the offer is binding or contracts of exchange, depending on where you are, then, you know, it's quite legal to gazump, you yeah. know, until that, that owner has said yes and then committed to that acceptance. And remember the very in first writing. word that we in this term in these terminology um uh, episodes was acceptance. 
um, then it's open slather. Like it's open, you're open to be gazumped. And this is where a lot of buyers don't recognize. I guess they think that if their offer's accepted, that that's it. They bought the property. It's like, no, you have not. Uh, you now need to make sure that you close this deal properly. And that's where the contract comes into play. Gavel. This is an interesting one, isn't it? Gavel. <laughs> have you ever seen an auctioneer, you know, hold a hammer? They're usually a little, or little wooden a little, one. Little wooden hammer and judges hold them too and they bang, you know, order order in the courtroom, whatever they say. Auctioneers will hit, use a, some use a gavel and um, some don't. Some use a rolled up contract. Mm -hmm. um, so they will say things like when the hammer falls and if they've got a gavel in their hand, they often hit the hand or they hit the contract. Um, and what that does, it signifies that the auction is over, the property is then sold to the highest bidder. Sometimes there's some real theatre in that. There is a little bit of theatre, yes. Hearing. Gearing is the ratio of your money or borrowed funds for an investment. Simplicity of that. How much you borrow versus how much you are putting it's in. worth, yep. Yep. Habitable. We're into H. H. Suitable for occupancy. Can live in it. Habitable. Pretty I've important. seen some really uninhabitable houses in my time. So have I. So and I've also seen sheds that people live in. They're not mm -hmm. meant to be habitable, but they have, are living in them. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> local, look, there's a lot of people that aren't, don't, can't find a habitable house at the moment, and that's, mm. that's a real challenge with this rental crisis uh, currently end of 2022. But local building codes ensure that structures are habitable through requirements for building permits and surf, uh, certification of current, uh, occupancy. So that means that if um, you're looking to buy in New South Wales, you are provided with a certificate of occupation. Is that right? Um, what no. are they called? <laughs> occupancy certificate. It's the it's look. We don't get. We don't have them here. No, I know you don't. But if you do renovate in New South Wales, you're meant to get one. But they don't always exist. They're not always available in the contract of sale. I know this is the thing. Is mm. the, oh, you need to learn what you don't know so that you don't get caught out. Right? Look at that. Um, I'm learning every day. There you go. We're always <laughs> learning, always something to learn in property, <laughs> particularly when you're buying in a different state. And I cannot stress this enough. If you have bought in one state, you are still a first home buyer in a different state. Mm, you really need to understand what you don't know and completely unpack what you think you know in a process if you're buying interstate. Now, we do talk about Sydney and Queensland, uh, Sydney and Brisbane all the time because, of course, that's where I, I'm in Sydney and, and you, Megan, are in Brisbane. I mean, you am in? No, you are in I Brisbane. I am in. You am in Brisbane. You <laughs> are in Brisbane. Anyway, um, but we do, in the course, we do cover off legislation in other jurisdictions because, mm -hmm. as we keep saying, it differs. There is a lot of, lot of crossover, a lot of similarities, but there are always certain unique things that have to um, be understood in different states and territories. Now, holding deposit. Yeah, this now, is initial goodwill sum of money. It's not well, it's not the deposit that you save for when you're saving for a house. Yeah. And do you know what? In New South Wales, a holding deposit really holds nothing. Mm -hmm. All it is, is is saying, look, I'm I'm serious about this. I'll give you a hundred bucks or whatever just to hold it. But the reality is nobody's bound by that. No, unless so, it's a contract. Yeah. And the holding deposit does not buying it's not enough in new south wales so you have to be very careful if you are going to pay a holding deposit for something you want to make sure that you are it is actually being held sometimes developers will honor holding deposits yeah that's that's more common isn't it really mm. ah, also known as the gavel yes <laughs> but in this case the hammer falls is a term that's used in auctions 
Um, yes. As we say, also known as a gavel. The auctioneer hits a surface with it to signify the auction is over and the property has sold to the highest bidder. Sometimes they use a rolled up contract, but the, the idea is the physical um, uh, look of, of the finalisation of the auction itself. Yep. And not only that, they use it to great advantage to create urgency and yeah. try to get people to act. So they hold it up and they make it look like it's going to fall. When yep. the hammer falls, the property will be sold. <laughs> and it's like they're making it once, calling twice, calling three times, I call it, you know. And all that's designed to get to flush buyers out and ramp up the pressure. That's so a very effective de device, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Home inspection, Home inspection. Is, a, uh, is, is our next one, Veronica. We are at the end of the H's. Mm. Mm. There in our turn. H. Just notice you said H. Oh, you I said H? No, no, no. There you go. I say H. Oh, there And you. so there's always a debate in this country. It's funny because on the show, when we're doing Mayo, the show. Tomato. I say H, bro, I said H, and, and <laughs> all, this, all these arguments when we were doing voiceovers on that, but you can say H and I will say H. Or Lovely. Home inspection, home the inspection. last H, <laughs> H. <laughs> this is hopefully a very thorough inspection that evaluates structural and mechanical condition of a property. A home inspection may be a special condition of a purchase or a contract, certainly one that is done prior to an auction. Yes, absolutely. Now we're into... We're starting with the eyes. Improvement. What an awesome eye. We've only got a couple of eyes, actually, don't we? But improvement is a very important eye. It's something that improves the value of the land. So a land can improve over time, but only in terms of value. You can't actually really improve the land unless you do some certain things to it. But it's like, mm. you know, building or a shed or fences or a dam or something that actually improves the basic nature of the land itself. Could be adding services such yeah. as water and power. Um, you know, it's not just basic land then, is it? All right, investment property. This is a property that's not occupied by the owner. That is the basics of it, but leased to produce an income. So it's an income-producing asset in the form of investment property that is not occupied by the owner. Now we've got J, and we only have one. One, one little J. Although <laughs> we probably should have two. I'll give you, uh, uh, you know, let's do this one first. Joint tenancy. This is sort of, it's a legal term. It's a form of co-ownership that gives each tenant equal shares and rights in the property, including the right of survivorship. Now, this is a key part of joint tenancy as, as opposed to um, Ten tenancy in common. In common. Uh, so if someone passes, one of the owners passes, the ownership of the property passes to the surviving owners. It's the biggest differentiator between joint tenancy and tenants in common, which we'll get to later. Yeah, so it's pretty important if you, uh, you know, couple your kids or whatever and, yeah. and you've got joint tenancy so that if something terrible should happen and one partner goes out into the universe, the ether, the heaven, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, the other person doesn't have to go through probate to actually get title for the remaining part of the, the property. The other J, which it wasn't really on our list, but I'm adding it, is some jurisdiction. Oh, yes. Because when you think about it, the word uh, jurisdiction is what's required, what's relating to the state or territory, in which case, in which legislation um, we are bound by in property. So every state and territory, as we keep banging on about, mm -hmm. is different. The reason it's different is because the legislation is state-based, and so that's called a jurisdiction. Nice. There you go. go. Land tax. Land oh, tax I love it. Not state based again. 
a state-based tax that is based on the value of the property. Remember that, um, what did we call it? It's uh, the assessed value. Yep, yep the assessed value. Um, and generally not principal place of residence, although that is changing. In in ACT, there is the opportunity to um, forego paying stamp duty and pay land tax uh, instead, and likewise for first-home buyers in New South Wales now. So this is something that didn't used to be applied to uh, your principal place of residence, but, you know, as tax reform is being undertaken by different governments, it might be something that is more, um, you know, becomes more common. Yeah. So... But for the most part, investors who own uh, unimproved land values, so we haven't got to the use yet, but um, so that's land that has not had improvements put on it. We've talked about improvements. So over a certain threshold, they need to pay their state government uh, land tax. So that is, I hate it for lots of reasons, but economists and tax experts love it. They think it's much fairer than stamp duty. There you go. Interesting. One to debate in the future. A landlord. landlord. A person who rents property to another, they're also called a lessor. Um, a property owner surrenders the right to use the property for a specified time in exchange for the receipt of rent from a tenant or lessee. A tenant. So a lease is the written agreement between a landlord and the tenant that grants that period of tenancy of a property under specific terms and conditions at a specific rent. Leasehold. Now, this is uh, quite different to freehold, which we talked about earlier. It is the mm. right to use and have exclusive possession, but not ownership, of real estate for a specified time and subject to the fulfilment of certain conditions as recorded in the lease agreement. So in Canberra, yep. every single house is leasehold, not freehold. Yeah, and there's areas of mining towns like Mount Isa where a lot of the property is leasehold, not freehold. In um, Manly in Sydney, there's this what's called St. Patrick's Estate where it's basically the Catholic Church owns all this land and these people got houses on there and likewise they had leasehold. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it's a new sewer, a new sewer rare, but <laughs> does happen. There you go. Lenders Mortgage Insurance, Veronica. Oh, LMI. Now, this is an insurance policy that covers the bank, not you in the event that you default on your loan. So most lenders will require you to pay a premium, uh, the lender's mortgage insurance premium, that is, if your deposit is less than 20%, although yeah. there have been certain um, circumstances, certainly the federal government's 5% deposit guarantee, if you qualify for that, you don't have to pay it. Um, and also for some professions. So some banks might say if you're a doctor or an accountant, I think, um, a lawyer, uh, so some lenders have policies that will require, um, you know, at a lesser rate or a lesser percentage yeah. to pay LMI, but it's something to certainly consider and certainly always remember that it is not protecting you, it's protecting the bank. The bank, yeah. Here's two quick ones because they are important to each other and reliant upon each other. A lessee is a person who leases the property, a renter, the tenant, the person who occupies, and the lessor is the landlord, the person who owns the property that is leased to another person. And Lien, is it Lien? I'm not sure it's spelled L-I-E-N. You know, we debated that earlier, didn't we? We did debate uh, it. It's a legal claim against a property that must be paid off when it's sold. So it might be that, um, and, and that can be a caveat as well. Mm -hmm. Somebody's lodged the caveat on the title to make sure that the Lien is paid. 
I think yep. that's the way it works. <laughs> yep. Life estate, also called tenancy for life. Now, this is a freehold interest, um, and sorry, a, a property, a freehold property that expires upon the def- death of the owner or some other specified person. So sometimes people are given a tenancy for life, um, uh, particularly if they're a bit older, and it may be that they can live in a property that's owned by somebody else until they're passing. Yep. So I've known it particularly with step parents. So if you know there was a family home and the kids grew up in that home, and then mom or dad or whatever met another partner, and that partner lived in the house, and then the mum or dad died, they might leave a life estate or tenancy for life to their partner, but they don't want that person to have ownership of that property mm-hmm. because they want to make sure that the their kids, kids get inherit it. it. Yeah. That's an example of when that might happen. Yeah, uh, a listing. This is a written contract between an owner and a real estate agent authorising the agent to perform services for the property, the owner's property. It's also what the property is referred to, the listings. Right. We call it the listing. We call it listing data, listing numbers, how many listings are on the market at a given time. Yep. It's just another word for properties that are available for sale. Loan structure. Yeah, this is the way your loan is set up, taking into account your goals and needs. And this is why we love, 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 love you to have a good broker or bank involved right from the start. It takes into account the type of loan, the asset ownership structure and the borrowing entity and how funds or equity will be used. It's the planning. We are now at M, which means we've knocked over 13 of letters of the alphabet and we've got 13 more to go. And we start at market value, the price at which a seller is happy to sell and the buyer is willing to pay. This assumes that there is sufficient activity in the market to generate enough buyers and sellers so that neither party controls the price, right? So establishing market value is the objective of an appraisal at the outset. So the agent's trying to work out, well, what's it likely to sell for? And then it goes to market and what it ultimately sells for is market value, which is why one of my big bugbears and these spruikers and property in rabbities experts exhorting the fact that they bought under market value. It's like, no, mate, whatever you paid what you is paid, market value. That's market value. <laughs> uh, that's right. It's not the clever price, the, what the market has been prepared to pay. Mortgage is a legal document that pledges a property to the lender as security for the payment of the debt. So there, you're not, you're, yeah. Technically, that's just the technicality of it. It's the more, it's what you got to pay back. It's not the money. It's yeah. the document. It's the document. Yeah. <laughs> and how often, colloquially, is it used as the money? Mm. Right. We all do it. I've done it. Absolutely. Negative. Oh, we're up to N. The negative gearing. Very important. Yeah. Investors. Where the return on invested investment is not sufficient to cover the costs of an investment, so and, you know the property maintenance, the interest on the loan, all of those sorts of costs aren't covered by the rent. It's a tax concession that allows an investor to get a tax deduction for losses. Now, say you're a property investor who's out of pocket $1,000 a month because the rent doesn't cover the interest on your mortgage after accounting for depreciation costs, etc., you can then claim 12 times that $1,000, $12,000 a year against your tax. And it's interesting because uh, a lot of people um, market certain properties to investors to say, 
you know, you get to get all this money back from the government, but you also always got to remember this is why capital growth is so important yeah. because you have to lose money to make money. And so if that property isn't going up in value, it sort of doesn't make sense lose. to do it. Yeah, yeah. exactly right. <laughs> That's right. A nominee. That is a person who in a limited sense acts or represents another. Perfect. So, Yeah. Not much you know, more to go on there. Not much more you to can say. Do nominee authorities, um, when purchasing a property, uh, we do them in our buyers agency for people who want to remain anonymous. Mm-hmm. There is a very, very, very specific process. Um, very, very conv- complex. Certainly, wouldn't be you know recommending that you do this without some very good advice. <laughs> no, and you know, and also, I mean, um, sometimes you need to get somebody to to sign a contract on your behalf. Like if you can't be at auction. There are ways around, you know, getting a um, uh, what do they call it? Power a, attorney. Thank you. The the is it that's in here somewhere? Yep, I can see it down yeah. a little yeah. further. So we won't talk about that. All right, notice to vacate. Yeah, this is time to get out. It's mm. a notice to a tenant to vacate the property. A notice to vacate has to be given in line with the legislation in the relevant state. Um, you cannot just simply end a tenancy. Uh, tenancies can only be ended in certain circumstances under certain conditions. And with certain notice periods. Spot on. Null and void. Null and void. That which cannot be. Love that saying. It's cool. That's null and void. I reckon (laughs) I'm going to use that a bit with my daughter. That which cannot be legally enforced (laughs) as with a contract provision that is not in conformance with the law. Yeah. That's null and void. Basically, that's just bullshit. You've been trying it on and it's not going to cut it. That's the the bottom line. That's what it means. (laughs) Null and void. In this episode, we've covered a very small part of our 10-step online course for first-time buyers. If you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake, then head over to our website, www.homebuyeracademy.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. Five stars would be wonderful. It will help others find us as well. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with some more priceless stuff.